Well, hello and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 782, recorded today on Wednesday the... Ooh, what is the date? It's the 5th, isn't it? Is it the 6th? No, it's the 6th. The 6th of December. Also want to say, hey, you know, join our Patreon, um, which I will press the button for now, and I've got a new ad. Why not consider joining us on Patreon? Even at the basic level, you'll get all our content ad-free, excluding show videos, of course. You'll also get access to the Sonic Talk pre-show and a few exclusive videos. In fact, we just posted the Game Changer Audio Motor Synth Mark II Extended Director's Cut, which has an extra seven <laughs> minutes of content. But if you join at the upper level, not only will you get that, you'll get exclusive video. Uh, in fact, I think we posted an Osmos Friday Fun Extra Bits. There's also extended playing for the Super Gemini video we recently posted sample sets and don't forget you also at both layers get onto our discord so why not consider joining us in this time when ads are a bit harder to come by it just helps us keep doing what we're doing thanks very much for watching yes back to the show that's a new one uh, oh there was a that was weird there was a frame of me on the end i must have recorded it here <laughs> anyway um <laughs> let's get on to our guests because we've got a, a fulsome panel as i want to say i think the word fulsome actually generates a uh, a, a drink doesn't it in the uh, sonic talk bingo so uh, <laughs> if you're that way inclined take a drink i said it uh, matt hodson how are you doing maths aka maths i think you might be muted but uh, i'm not sure Hello? let's check and no. see oh no you're Am not you're all right I'm matt here. of course uh aka maths uh in his uh new uh, his studio which is getting visually more uh, impressive every day so i like the <laughs> lights there yeah so and those are your new modular cases nice how you yeah, doing they, they, I'm, I'm all right yeah they they're still they're still working this um so i did a pretty good job i'm all right i'm all right i've been very very busy so um so i haven't been around for a few weeks so it's good to be always great to be on the podcast thanks um main thing really has been just you know what it's like in the music industry you're always kind of working in the future and planning and very much so for um for nam so as you know i'm, I'm working with stylophone working for stylophone now and um we're going to be at nam um so we're just uh, getting pr prepared for all of that be lovely to see anyone anyone who's going to be there come and say hello at the booth i'll be there for the whole time and um ah. we'll be showing off some some things um which i can't talk about you'll be on but, the, um, yeah you'll be on the so you'll be on the other side you're sort of seeing how it works from 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 this side of the yeah. fence interesting so uh, yeah, yeah you should have fun really looking forward to it really looking forward to it you, the thing about going to these places as well you always see the same sort of faces um from all walks of life whether they're punters or people who work in the industry and stuff like that i always love going to those things and it's great meeting new people as well so um yeah do do come say hi if you're there um other than that been yeah been working on music and oh, um, good yes uh, and there'll be more of that which i can talk about in the new year which i'm really excited about as well but um yeah it's, it's good to see you all Excellent. Well, lovely to have you back, as I said. Um, so I've also got uh, Robbie Pericelli, who at Failed Muso, who's there in his very blue room. Um, <laughs> is this a blue phase you're going through? Is it uh, reflected in the music you're making as well? Is everything pentatonic or are you just... I, no, okay. I wish it's I had time pop. to make music. Yeah, you'd think. No, apparently it makes makes me pop a little better on screen, you know, with all the lighting. And just, yeah, I, I'm not into all the, the technicalities of it all, but hey. Um, yeah, no, thank you for having me. Uh, been yeah, I've been busy as hell um, with podcast editing and 
Prosense Network and all of that kind of stuff. Um, there's a, a new Sound on Sound podcast coming out in two weeks, which I'm so happy with and excited for because uh, it was a real uh, busman's holiday for me. Um, so, yeah, um, that that literally just went out to, to get mastered yesterday. So I'm just waiting for that back. But yes, it's uh, it's all all I am, games. I, and I must confess, you haven't wired up your on-air uh, sign. I mean, I can see it back there, but it's not lit up. I mean, what's going I, on there? Call yourself I'll a pro? Re- <laughs> I, I know, I know. You, lots of people think that the pro in ProSynth Network stands for professional. Oh, how wrong they are! Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, lovely to have you, Robbie, of course, as ever, uh, and very much. And also we have uh, Paulie Bowe, who's uh, there in the studio, a magical synth adventure, but also Vogue Renegade. And I have to say, before we go anywhere else, you've just released a track called Failure uh, on Vogue Renegade. uh, And honestly, I think it's really, really good. It's a work of genius, if you don't mind me saying so. I think the mix and the arrangement... I'm not going to argue. The the arrangement is, is... brilliant it's really good and i i, I encourage everybody so to listen to it because it it's quite challenging in terms of the dynamics and, and and excitement but it really works for the material it's sort of like wow it makes you lean back oh i seem to have lost my light I, i'll fix that now but yeah <laughs> All welcome the excitement made the um made the electricity go out in it's because um... it's because i turned my on-air sign on I've <laughs> oh okay yeah yeah wiped and, out the electric and the whole countries <laughs> yeah for and yours is on Ameri- yeah, mine mine switched off <laughs> for for all our American and European viewers Britain is now so poor that we're just all sharing one plug socket <laughs> <laughs> we're sharing the light bulb yeah <laughs> anyway uh, actually so, that's yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm mostly joking there. Don't take that too seriously. <laughs> but yeah, um, thanks thanks for having me on. It's um, uh, my entry into this year's Amiga Art Contest where we use old computers to do cool stuff. Um, and can, it, I, it actually, can I play a bit? Would it, would it, would, you would, can would, do. Would it, will it I'm trigger a YouTube copyright? <laughs> no, well, it's not always you that does that. It's it's a robot, but uh, you've gone for the sort of four three old school. Uh, I'm just going to play a bit of it because it's, it's fantastic. I'm going to go to the chorus because it's yeah. Right, I'm going to leave it as a tease because it's a bit uh, honestly, yeah, it's, it's sort of. I mean, but yeah, wow, there's loads of energy in that. I, th- I think it's great. Anyway, John congratulations. I hope you're kind of vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good description. But with a sort of a kind of um, rootsy folk middle eight or pre-ending, which I thought was lovely yes, with the vocals. Yes. Sounds like yeah, wi- well, sort of witches dancing in the in the misty forest to a drum. Well, I actually got <laughs> witches, so there we go. That's why it sounds oh, wow. like witches. Oh, they well. are actually witches. Fantastic. The good witches, oh, you know, they're not evil ones, but at the same time, yeah. don't cross them. 
you know, because you never yeah, know. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> I'm glad I liked it and didn't say anything bad then. My Maybe yeah, my yeah. hair would fall out or something terrible. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, lovely to have you all. Thank you very much. We do have some things to actually talk about. It's not just sort of shooting the, uh, shooting the breeze. Uh, you'll be pleased to know as listeners, or perhaps that's how you prefer it. But anyway, that's what you've got, so there's not much you can do about it uh, at the moment. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we've got some topics. I mean, there's... I suppose the first, let's go to the first one because uh, this is, I guess it's news, it's a new product from Moog, right? Although, we don't get to see much of it for a while. This is, I'm glad to see that even after the acquisition, Moog haven't lost their sort of obtuse video product, product video approach, which is, is good, it's encouraging, isn't it? Song. In the hands of the musician, bass becomes an extension of self. Okay, come on, get on with it. I think they say, here we go. It's the Moog Mariana, which is a plugin, right? And it, so far, people are people are getting people are getting quite excited about. It. I know Robin Vincent did a review of it and thought it sounded great. Uh, Synth Anatomy did a review of it and said, "Wow, this is really good." And we know that Moog software products have actually been, you know, it's not it, it, it's not just sort of like a stick a Moog name on something. They do. They, I mean, I know Git Bevin I don't know if he worked on this, but he's worked on a lot of previous products and the Mogafogas are very well thought of. So this is this is probably good. It's just a bit it's a bit of a head shift, isn't it, thinking in terms of um perhaps what uh what what it means in terms of um uh, um Moogness. Uh, would you agree? I know um Robbie, let's go to you first. Hmm. No, it's it's a very Moog thing. It looks and sounds Moogy. Um and yeah, I mean, if it, I, I, when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, here we go, one trick pony, it's going to be a bass synth. And, you know, am I, am I not already over um, bought in that department? But no, I mean, on, on, when I actually watched a demo, there's a guy called Brian Oliva who's got a channel on um, uh, YouTube called Get Semini Music, and he bought it straight away and just basically went through all the presets. That's the video I watch rather than the, the very fancy uh, marketing one. And you just get a feel of you know of what it's capable of. It, it yes, it has a lot of bass. Um, it's very good for bass. So, uh, but I actually liked the patches that weren't bass oriented patches. There are some in there that are, you know paddy sounds and leady sounds and so it's not just a one trick pony and and say for what is it 49 bucks at the moment you get a yeah, lot of 49 for from 99 yeah, yeah it's not bad at all sense. is it I, I i haven't tried it i'm assuming it's poly it is it's capable of polyphony but um, um yeah as and it's mpe as well it's got mpe Ooh. so um that's interesting yeah, so quite a shift. I mean, I guess we didn't see that coming, did we? We were all expecting um, sort of the, the, the connection with uh, uh, with in music to just sort of bring out a load of toys with Moog <laughs> with Moog's <laughs> names on them. But you know, this is obviously this must have been you know these things don't just turn up in a matter of weeks. I mean, no, I'm, I expect it was in the in the production schedule for several months or if not years before uh, before the uh, um, uh, the the. Uh, 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 what am I trying to say? The acquire they acquired yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, acquisition. No, That's the word. Nice about this, I tell you what is nice about this is, and Robin pointed this out to me the other day, that you can connect up your Mogafoga plugins internally, so you can route this through the Mogafogas through like Moog's own kind of custom rewire system, if you will. So you can modulate 
your your Mariana with your Mogafogas and and all sorts of and it I haven't re- haven't tried it yet, but it, it looked very that looks quite a lot of fun. So. That sounds interesting. I, um, yeah. uh, I was just trying to say, Ian J. Cole said in the chat room that actually it's um, it's 15 oh, yeah. bucks for iPad, so you can buy a separate thing. I'm just trying to throw this up. It should actually... I wonder should. if you buy the iPad version. It should work on Mac OS, shouldn't it, on, on the current versions of Mac OS? I know, like all yes. their other mode plugins do. That should work. It probably won't work as a plugin because they probably haven't done a wrapper for it like they did with the others. Um, so with the Model 15 and the, the Mini. Um, they yeah, there we go. Provided, I finally got the sticker there. up. Yeah. Excellent. It'll be interesting. Sounds like, there's a, sounds like somebody's changing their Wellingtons somewhere in the background there. I don't know whether that was going. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Sorry, I wasn't pa- my dog going mad. Oh, is it, it's all right. Oh, that's all right. I, I don't want you to hit the, them to be distressed. Uh, Paulie, interesting. I mean, Moog, obviously, yes. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think we've had this discussion before. I mean, I'm not sure if you've got any Moog hardware. I mean, I didn't own any Moog hardware until the Sub 37. Uh, and I, I, I confess I don't use it that much, but certainly if I'm going to play live, I would because it's a brilliantly designed piece of hardware this is obviously a very different beast and you know not designed to be play live it's a yeah. piece of software but i um i was half asleep because i'm half asleep all of the time these days yeah well i understand that so i was in in my days and i was looking at robin's great article um that he wrote uh That's on and gear I news, yeah. sent him a message saying you know you're such a brilliant writer and he was like oh shucks but um I thought it was hardware initially, <laughs> just for like, you know, three or four minutes as I read down and I was like, this is great. This is, you know, this is a, it's a little more um, complex than say, you know, the small little synths that they've been doing. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm like trying, the, yeah. The, was well, it's it more the, like the Minotaur. The one based on the Taurus, the Minotaur yeah. and the, is it the Siren and stuff like that? Mavis. Yeah. So essentially, I was like, oh, this is this looks pretty cool. Um, And then I was like, oh, it's software. Okay, interesting. Um, But I've got to say from the from the sounds I've heard, it really does have that low end presence, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, you could you could you could you could put it in your track. Obviously, I haven't used it, but a lot of the Mo- a lot of the Moog stuff. Sorry, we've have to say Moog now, don't we? We're not allowed to say Moog anymore. I spent the entire nineties saying Moog, and it's been my entire <laughs> life. Person. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's hard to to switch that over. But yeah, um, I think I might nab the iPad version just for playing around, because there's nothing yeah. better than you know just to have a, an iPad synth when you are noodling around. When you've got a couple of hours to kill or something like that, you know, um, it's really, really good. But yeah, um, I, I too was quite excited with the inter-plugin modulation. So for instance, mm. um, using some of the Mogafogas plugins, LFOs and things like that to modulate parameters in this. I, I kept on saying marinara, like the <laughs> marinara, slash like the pizza. pizza. <laughs> yeah, moog marinara. Um, now there's, a, there's a that be might be a different product, but could be equally as good. It'd be like a mini moog shaped pizza with a nice tomato yeah. sauce. 
just what to like what we used to make. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's uh, hungry, it's cool. Man. That's all I've got to say. It's interesting, Matt, isn't it? I mean, actually, one of the first things that's come up in the chat, uh, and that, uh, Enrico Palazzo said, I would love to see a proper hardware version of the Mariana, yeah. which kind of maybe that can happen now because we've got new would, owners and they might. this might be a testing ground, right? Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that, why it is software only, and maybe that's a price point thing. Maybe that's something they want to test with the market and before they do, it's a hardware. But when I first saw this, I thought this seems very similar to the Minitor, which I bought when it first came out, and I love that. Basically, I've spent my whole life in search of the ultimate bass sounds. <laughs> but, you know, basically all my music is just like super low end as much as possible, and my go-tos are things like the 4MS Ensemble Oscillator, which is just, it's just got this beautiful low end, and the Schwemann stuff, the VCO6, is really good for that. So. Um, I've got to try this out. If anything, this, this seems to be kind of focused on low end and bass. I, I understand it does other things as well. But I've certainly got to try this out for 49 quid. But I would love a hardware version for sure. And, you know, in fact, you know, um, Robbie, Paulie, what's your kind of go to super low end bass synths at the minute? What are you using? Hardware I'd love software. to know. Good yeah um i've got a couple um surprisingly the polybrute oh I yeah know it's a polysynth yeah but my goodness yeah especially because you can use the high pass filter uh you can run the the filters in parallels or series mm. so you can run in parallel and just put a little bit through the high pass filter down low with that low end frequency accentuated uh, mm. with a bit of resonance and I've got to say it's really really lovely but the other one that is my kind of go-to uh, all these years later is still the Nord Modular um, essentially oh, because yeah you can you can have as many sub oscillators as you want <laughs> essentially <laughs> and also you know as um, an EQs built into the patch and EQs that could um, move dynamically through the with envelopes through the patch so yeah. if you just want the fundamental on the very uh end of the say you want a very plucky attack and then the fundamental to come in later kind of like you know sometimes you use side chaining to get different bass mm. throbs you can kind yeah. of do it do it with that on the the nord modular so yeah i like those two and th that's the reason they're always plugged in those two you know, right, other synths might come and go on the mixer, but those are mm. those are forever, essentially. <laughs> Robbie, what have you had you, time Robbie? to What's ruminate? I would say, I think, out of all the hardware that I've got, the Core Prophecy does some amazing bass sounds. It can be, it can do that whole Moog thing, um, but it can also do that really sort of deep and creamy, um, sort of almost sub bass that's still got. Yeah, it's not too sub, but it's it's, it's low enough. I, I always there's, there's a patch on there. I think it's called Club Bass, and there's another one. I can't remember the name of it. It's just it's gorgeous, and I used it on so many things back in the day uh, for bass. Um, I can't say any of the DXs do well. Of course, you've got solid. Well, they've got low. And, they've got decent low end, yeah, but you know, you've got things like solid bass on um, on the DX11 
um, or lately base, which is lately base on the 11, uh, which is a, a hybrid, which is very nice. Um, yeah, I think that's probably, and, and like Paulie says, the Poly Brute is, is kind of a, a, a beautiful Monster. thing at all. Yeah, so. Interesting. Yeah. But I'm I'll, trying I'll to think, I'm trying prophecy. to think. I'm trying to think. In recent times, um, I, I recall the last review I did where where we all went bloody hell. Listen to the low end on that was the uh, Norand Mono Mark II. The oscillators in that because the oscillator yeah. it's a really interesting synthesizer because it's got the uh, the oscillators are actually analog circuitry. The rest of it uh, and and so is the filter, but the rest of it is uh, FPGA. Uh, and but the oscillators themselves that he I spoke to um, uh, Matteo and he was uh, Matthew 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 and, and he was saying that the, on paper the oscillators are terrible you know I mean they're the, you know they're terrible specifications they're very hard to tune all of this stuff but what he's mastered is this sort of incredibly complex scaling routine which kind of fixes that but what you get in return is this ridiculously low low end but when you combine it with the, the drive in it is lovely from a uh, from the point of view of um, it, it can go from none to too much, but often with synths yeah. like that, th th there's something suffers in the dynamic range or the noise floor, but not so on this one. It, 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 it's just, yeah, I have to say it's got an incredible low end, really impressive, um, mm. but it's not something that everybody, I mean, it's, you know, it's not a cheap thing. I think it's about six or seven hundred. Is that your, that's your poly brute doing its thing? Yep. It feels like I'm in the room. There's definitely some shake. <laughs> <laughs> more drive and it's got a it's got a higher fundamental as well which is interesting i've got the filters yeah. in um, in series so are you dropping a high, a, a high harmonic on the on the on the high pass a low harmonic so I am, giving it I'm, that cool i'm, uh, I'm yeah. sneaky like that you know yeah yeah no i, I like to do that too that's important isn't it i think and and with this moog um this moog plugin um <laughs> it's got two parts to it as well and as we all probably know you know when you're creating really juicy bass sounds it is it's useful to layer them in that way so one's kind of solid low end and then you can mess around with, with like what paulie's doing there um and sort of add them together well. i think that's really important but then there's things like uh sync as well on the low end i think can be quite important yes, sync. sometimes yeah, yeah, the oscillate oh, sync. Yeah, Otherwise, just to remove any of that really low end sort of phasing issues that you might get. And rightly or wrongly, most of my bass on, on my tracks are all stereo. I don't know. Yeah. I just love stereo bass with slightly deep. But your mastering, your vinyl mastering engineer sacked you and won't touch your material <laughs> oh. anymore. You've ruined so many <laughs> cutting heads. The one release that I had on vinyl, um, which went out on Fat Cat Records they had to mono the bass on it of course and um it does it sounds great it does sound great but compared to a digital version it is it, it can be night and day i think um because sure. because you just you just need that i love i just love stereo bass on it and i know there's a million people out there who probably say they should always be mono probably right well, um, it's old school. It's not, I wouldn't say it's right. It's old school because, and the reason, yeah. I mean, for those who perhaps don't know, back in the day when you took your your thing into the cutting engineer, they have to, 
you've got to make sure that the the, the head is not moving around too much because what can happen yeah. is you can break you can break the cutting you can break the cutting lathe by having too much low frequency movement so you would mono the base more from the protection of being able to actually cut it into vinyl because also having that much stuff when the needle's trying to follow stereo bass it's going to jump out of the groove because you've got this low frequency oscillation essentially so nowadays yeah. it that doesn't matter so you can be a bit more free with it but it's it's an interesting thing it was never sonically it was a mechanical reason that that was the case and and quite possibly it might have um caused problems with the fm radio i don't know i'm making a guess there early fm stuff might have been an issue because of the yeah. the intermodulation but uh, th that is a complete guess i have no technical knowledge to back that up whatsoever <laughs> oh sorry did i cut anybody off there i didn't mean to i was just uh yeah, I was on that nick yeah. on the mood thing do we know do you have to buy them all separately so do you have to buy the ipad version and you've got to buy the osx version or do you just yeah. buy one license and it covers them all i'm, I'm presuming I, it's that's a good question i as don't know, I, know it's I think but Ian in the chat said that the ipad version because if you bought the ipad versions of animoog model 15 and the mini and you're running a current version of Mac OS, I think from Big Sur onwards, you can actually run those natively in uh, in the Mac OS, and they also provided a wrapper, so you could use them as plugins. However, this wow. one, according to Ian, it isn't, and I guess that's because they're, they're providing it as a plugin as well as an iPad. It's it's interesting. It, it's a, actually it's a developer choice. When you upload an app to the uh, to the App Store, you've got it's, it's literally a checkbox. Do you want this to be able to run in universal mode on the M1 processors? And you can switch that Ooh. on or off. And I can understand that for some uh, uh, marketing or product purposes that makes sense. But you know, it, obviously Moog have done that in the past. But maybe they're being a bit more. Maybe that's one of the reasons that they had to sell the company because of just for that one little <laughs> checkbox now that new strategy will completely turn the company around and everything will be uh, marvelous but uh, i doubt it it's it, but it, they're obviously just tightening things up a bit which is fair enough right um uh, mergers and acquisitions just a quick one on this one uh, this is the uh um road acquires mackie which is quite big news i mean road are a, a, a pretty that they've been they in many ways they're quite similar to uh they're quite in many ways they're quite similar to um to Mackie, I would say, uh, in that they kind of got fairly innovative uh, and affordable products. I mean, a lot of us use their mics, particularly for videographing, and there's all sorts of other stuff that they make as well. And Mackie, of course, it's kind of weird. There was an article on Gear News which I was reading, and it was it reminded me of a point which was ultimately name a Mackie product in the last ten years, and that is that's a tough that's been you know released in the last ten years. Still, the Mackie SR the SR um, uh, sound systems you see them everywhere we use them for our emom actually for the left and right stacks and i think it was worth 180 million dollars i don't know if that's us or or australian which would make a big difference but mackie's uh, i mean we've got i had a mackie 8 bus you know that was the one you had the mackie 8 bus was the mixer you had if you were doing remixes you had loads of loads of channels for for your you know inputs that there was something about the mic counts when you drove them, but the EQ was absolutely disgusting. It used to um, it used to weird, do weird things to the phase, so you could you almost couldn't yeah. use the EQ. You could use actually you could use the top and the bottom, but don't touch the mids because the mids would ruin the phase on the stuff. But I mean, their stuff was everywhere, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know, Matt. You probably had yeah. Mackie stuff back in the day. I've still got a VLZ yeah, here, I am. and it's been we've had it for years. It's like a tank. yeah, man. 
you've got you've got to admit those are built like a tank and the amount of times i've spilt a drink on it um and it's they still work <laughs> and you see them everywhere don't you you still see them everywhere but don't forget mackie now and this is a really interesting acquisition not because the first thing i think that comes to mind when you think of mackie is is those desks fair enough yeah. but um i had to jump on on their website earlier because just like you was saying then Nick, you know what name a product they've launched in the past 10 years but actually they have been busy they've been doing this they've been doing the kind of podcasting stuff they've got the studio monitors that they do of course um yeah and audio interfaces so they've they have kind of been busy but but yeah that yeah it's just it's a strange one and I, i'd love i'm I'd, I'd hate to see this brand go away because i think they've got some great legacy products and i wonder if this acquisition by road you know microphones the only thing that mackie don't do as far as i can see is oh no they do microphones they do have some microphones so they have some microphones as well i was going to say this would probably make sense in that way but it also makes me think why would mackie want to sell you know is it is it because you know it's just time for them and uh, the owners want to move on uh, retire i don't know is it because Rhodes got some really interesting plans about what they can do with these products and i would yeah and, i would imagine and that kind of thing yeah so i'm i'm interested to see where this one one goes i don't really have much to say on it um but it's interesting as well because Rhodes obviously have not been on, around as long as mackie have they and in fact, my, I've still got my NT2, which I bought when I was at university. It's still, it's probably the only focal mic that I have. And I, I love that. So it's interesting seeing such a, uh, a company with such huge legacy um, be acquired by something that's still a relatively new company, if you like. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I think their mics, you know, their affordable mics, they were first into, uh, to market with that. I mean, I know you, I could see you've got a Rode branded, and, and I think we've got a Rode branded uh, mic, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a mic arm as well. I mean, that's one that they, they kind of do. They're, they're getting into kind of broadcast of videography, and that's a sort of crossover, but maybe not so much into the pro audio thing. So, mm. yeah, maybe this just gives them a whole new set of categories that they can, you know, build yeah. products into i suppose they say road have been moving into you know doing stuff for podcasters you know building mixes specifically for those purposes and you know providing you know mic stands and microphones and all that kind of stuff um when i saw this uh, emerge the other day i mean i'm not really that well versed in mixers and microphones that's not my bag but um you know like you say mackie has been a brand that's been around and, and synonymous with you know good quality uh, mixing desks for many and many years but then i haven't really heard of them uh for, like you said for the last sort of five or ten years they've not been making any ripples they've probably just been getting on with doing what they're doing and um this is what i like about this acquisition is that it's um a company of similar standards and technologies um you know as david brent might say it's good synergy you know it's good synergy um so <laughs> I, I, the fact that these two have come together I'd rather that than this, you know, the Mackie be taken over by some venture capitalist type organization. Yes. At least oh, these people 100%. have got things in common. They can now work together and they can expand each other's product ranges. And, and um, you know, at the end of the day, fingers crossed, the consumer comes out, uh, you know, best on this one. So that's, that's what I'm taking from this. It's, it's, it's good for the industry, I think. Absolutely. And Paulie, we can't forget, actually, that uh, yes. they were pretty much 
the instigators of the notion of a control surface, the Mackie Huey and the Mackie Control, mm. were kind of yeah. you know their innovations, weren't they? And we still use them. I mean, most most controllers have a Huey mode. Yeah. So um, my um, in around nineteen, I'm going to say around nineteen ninety eight to two thousand, when I was roughly sixteen to eighteen in age, I was at um, college. Uh, doing performing arts and um, I was in a number of different education facilities over the years like colleges universities etc it seemed that for a period of time that Mackie was everywhere you know whether it be mixers or power amps or um, powered monitors as well um, yeah they definitely. did MRH, monitors but yeah, that's it. But your your little um, quip about the EQ just sparked a memory in my mind because um, and maybe the reason I use Yamaha desks and Yamaha mixers to this day is because when I got to university, the guy in the studio, the main engineer, hated Mackie desks <laughs> specifically oh, really? for the EQ, and he said right. his famous quote was. For every, for every problem the EQ solves on a Mackie desk, you get two more problems. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of doubles the issues you've got. So um, right. I, I personally never noticed any issues. Um, but maybe that's what swayed me in my mind. You know, he used like all the Yamaha stuff and things like that. You know, like the oh, O1V, nice. a classic. Um, yeah. I had one of those. And I've stuck I've stuck with Yamaha to this day, possibly because I was worried that I'd be causing more problems um, than, uh, okay. <laughs> than, you know, I so was solving. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I got they paid 180 them, million. Course, they, yeah. Sorry, go yeah. for it. I, I'd, of course, try the, the new products, no problem at all because maybe the maybe the issue was just with one specific desk that this guy used once do you know what i mean and sometimes and that's an interesting point you can have one experience with a brand and it's bad and then you'll never go near yeah. that brand again do you know what i mean it's really yeah, really i mean really to be fair sometimes uh I bought the 8-bus with the expander because we needed the inputs. We used to have a Studio Master, uh, which was a yeah. chunky old thing, but it sounded lovely. And when I got the Mackie, because I needed all that extra input because you had inline input, so you could really you have tape returns and easy. And I could never use it because the EQ, if you had a stereo pair coming in, EQ on it, it messed with the stereo imaging. And I'm quite sensitive okay. to phase. And and, it, yeah. and I had one for several years, and I, I ended up getting rid of it. And as uh, Nick Howes actually pointed out, uh, the Yamaha O-Series blew the Mackies away, and that's exactly it, because I bought an O-1, O whatever, the very, o yeah, the very first one, I can't remember what it was, O-1D or o yeah. whatever it was, because -V, it was maybe? the first... Oh, yeah, might have been even before that, um, because okay. it was the first one that didn't have that. So I could get rid of the Mackie and it also had total recall. And, and I think that's true. I think Mackie sort of lost ground to lots of other things that came along. They were doing what they do. And maybe that's the case, because don't forget, Personas, Behringer, and uh, they all started making 
things yeah. like active speakers and you know whatever control surfaces and all yeah. that and it just ate into their market share because that used to be the only place you could go because Mackie initially I mean I think Elisis were first with the surface mounts they made that weird little sort yes. of plastic carbon mixer which was ridiculously cheap for what you know what mixers used to cost they used to cost thousands yeah. and then Mackie uh, 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 Elisis brought this one out and then Mackie brought these other ones out which up to then, surface mount technology was considered a dirty word, and Mackie figured out how to make it work at scale, and those mixers just ended up being everywhere because you've got so many channels for your money, you know, and that's that's why. But 180 million quid or dollars or whatever it may be, it's a significant chunk. So it's a it's a it's a pretty big. It's going to make a pretty big megacorp, I'd imagine. Yeah. And it, I don't I don't feel pretty that's cool. bad because as you as as you've said, it's. No. It feels like two benign forces rather than, mm. you know, an aggressive force and a weaker force. You know what I mean? I think an that's evil what I was conglomerate. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Actually, a benign conglomerate. Yep. I looked up what I first learned to mix on, and it was a Yamaha AW4416. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. That was an analog like, one, an o- wasn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But it also had a had um, a hard disk recorder in, so and some effects, so. That was pretty cool at the time, and a big nice. screen. So yeah, yeah. Well, Yamaha's. I, I just I just looked at the Yamaha DM3. I mean, they are lovely mixers, and they they finally they finally figured out how to make them easy to use because the early ones were a sure. were a, a menu driven nightmare. But yeah, that was just back when those <laughs> things weren't all that advanced, and we didn't have big screens. But uh, interesting. Um, okay, right. Uh, let's see. Gosh, there's more, isn't there? I don't, I'm just wondering where to go next. I think maybe um, maybe we'll do uh, the uh, Sonic Couture ACDR drum machine because I, I really liked the approach to this. It, um, let's just run that. So this is the new drum machine software. But what they've done is they've used round-robin sampling. They've used uh, those... Uh, Polyend perk solenoid drum triggers for kind of repeatability, which is a great idea. But also you've got, if you see in the middle there, each each layer of each voice has this granular control of each sample. And I think there's up to 10 round robin samples per layer per drum. Stochastic uh, sampler, a stochastic sequencer, a beat sequencer. And there's something about the sound of this. I know they specialise, I have specialised in those kind of electronic drum machines that are then recorded through massive PAs and resampled, which I think we looked at, which was a great idea. And this one just looks like a really interesting um, sample set. And I don't know, because there's there's also quite a lot of synthesis capabilities. I don't know what people use for drum samples. I know, uh, Matt, you probably use, uh, you know, you're using mostly stuff you make, but you've probably got sample playback stuff, trigger trigger samples, whatever. Is Is that something that would appeal to you? You're muted. Matt, I think your mic is switched off. Hello. Oh, it's run out of juice. Okay, we'll go back to, we'll go to Robbie for a sec. Robbie. um, Yes. I know this looks good. Sonic, I mean, they they kind of said, I mean, I think as with many companies you know it's quite hard to sort of stand above the parapet with with this kind yeah. of thing but this actually i like their approach to it and it looks kind of good i think it's uh it's normally 139 quid so it's about 97.30 so it's not the yeah. cheapest of sample but it's 2.9 gigs of sample of, of drum samples that's a lot of yeah. samples 
Exactly. And and when I first saw this on the list, I thought, oh, here we go, another software drum machine, another sample set. And actually, it's not because, um, like all really good drum libraries, they they are using you know round robins, which gives you that um, more natural sound. Uh, yeah, it's not like a machine gun. Um, it's yeah, it's I really like the sound of this. Um, not so sure whether I'd like because it's a contact library. I'm not, not a massive contact fan, um, yeah. but there is a lot of tweakability and the fact that you can you know they've just <laughs> they've done it with. Um, drum machine samples as well as acoustic drum samples so you know they, they were messing around with an 808 in there and, and they were getting some really nuanced stuff out of it which you would not normally get from most you know yes yeah, certainly some but not most uh, drum sample libraries but yeah the fact that they've used um you know the, the robot arm to, to to be able to you know, get repeatable levels of velocity and then you know was it a dozen round robins per in you know per instrument that's really good because then you you get a little bit of life to it, a little bit of humanity, um, which is nice. And when you mix that up with machines that don't normally give you that, you get a very nice kind of unique sound. So yeah, I really like the sound of this. Wish it was a little bit cheaper though. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting oh. thing. There's quite a lot, a lot of stuff. I think Matt's just. Uh, uh, we, uh, are you there, Matt? You, you, you've I'm charged up. Yes, I'm you on, are. I'm on charge. Um, Excellent. So I can I see there's a red light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the beauty of wireless microphones. Hey, um, always always have one plugged in. Um, I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot of these drum machines, to be fair, on the market. And I think it's fair to say that when we were looking at new ones and acquiring new ones, you're going to want something that now comes with all the added stuff. And uh, whether that's a sequencer and this one's got that kind of it's not, is it a Euclidean kind of, yeah, it's eight Euclidean yeah, track sequencing. It's Euclidean, so I said stochastic, but it's Euclidean, stochastic, yes. Stochastic, right. Euclidean, yeah, effects. Um, you've got the transient shape in the compression, the EQ, that all, all you want all of that, don't you, really, in there? And, and yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, not at all. But for me, I've always found the most exciting things when creating drum samples is through through my own exploration of plugging in drum machines and running them through distortion and compression and combining together off, off camera, you can't see, but I've got the, the Pulsar 23 and the Perquons and those in combination, oh, God, running I bet. Them through different compression and EQ and distortion and combining to get together just to create those sounds is, is brilliant. And of course we've got the onboard sequences and which you can take advantage of, but um in terms of software i mean yeah i, I mean again I, this is just from for my for me and my music i probably i'm not that interested in things like crash symbols i don't think i ever use crash symbols i probably use a kick i don't ever use snares even i use kick, kick drums and hi-hats if i'm lucky i'll use a hi-hat and that's it you know i certainly don't use tambourines or anything like that so um i'd always like if i was buying something like this i'd like to have the ability to have you can have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven voices. My opt, I would opt to have seven kick drums that I could combine <laughs> together and EQ and compress and distort and just add them together in interesting ways. And and give me that. Give me like the 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 kick drum machine that I can do that. There's probably ones out there that do that. Maybe even this one allows you to pull out um, the tambourine and swap it for a kick drum. 
got I, a, I wonder if it, I'm not that. sure if you can it may be possible to to, to do that to, to, to set it yeah. up however you wish I'm not so sure but maybe it will um but yeah that's a good point yeah. yeah, it does. I, I mean, I think there's this, there's this real that what's really interesting to me about it is it's the, the quality of those acoustic sounds, but played by a machine is really different. Yeah. And it, it sort of it sparks the ear. You just think, oh, that's that's different. I don't know whether you found the same. And also, like I say, there's a lot of the electric sounds. They have the way that they've changed the, the tonal balance. So you've got, you know, certain hi-hat tones that you can tighten yeah. up, you can bring them down. They've also got uh, two Rockfield Echo Rooms as effect uh, sends that you can send to, which might well be uh, uh, something you particularly Yeah, that's want. pretty cool, isn't it? And were they were they actually they were actually recorded the ambiences were recorded were they as well? Oh, Rockfield, yeah, I believe in. so. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah, with drums, um, I kind of separate out because I am a drummer technically, although I haven't drummed in about ten years. But I really should do that because it's great anger management therapy. Drumming. That, well, that can that but, can yeah. be, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, this product got me grooving. That's all I can say, really. Um, right, okay, interesting. I listened to it, especially that first pattern. It kind of reminded me a bit of that song Over and Over by Hot Chip, mm. which was really cool. Yeah. Um, that kind of uh, that kind of almost disco beat with some percussion on top. Um, but yeah, for, so for acoustic drums, I tend to either play them in i've got like a, a couple of drum controller pads not like a, a big kit or anything or i will um do 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 just just do them in the piano roll and i used stuff like bfd you know like still the really old yeah. old version of bfd yeah no that's a, that's a it's got all the microphones yeah um but yeah then for and a lot of my music does feature acoustic drums um, blended with electronic elements and then for the electronic elements I like to you know synthesize a lot of weird um, drum sounds uh, including you know in in um in Eurorack as well and I've been looking at loads of uh, modular drum modules at the moment because I'm, I'm building a new rack a new Pac-Man themed uh rack so this is one that i've i've emailed the makers in australia it's by beat oh oh yeah by beast beast tech beast okay, tech and it's right. called the pixel drum and it's got some weird 8-bit drum algorithms that sound like broken atari games so i'm like yep i'll have that <laughs> so yeah i like to to i like to layer those kind of you know broken video game sounds with what? um acoustic drums essentially most of the time yeah 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 well, I, Matt. do you mind if i just ju just quickly jump in on that because one one thing that just came to mind there is um yeah in the new update of logic you know you've got the drummer in there you can now put easy drummer or your favorite drum synth drum plugin on the drummer track can't you in in logic and take oh, right. advantage of all the nuances that it kicks out but it will be triggering easy drummer instead of their built-in drummer um, apologies if you've Very already spoken cool. about this on the show but um oh, interesting that's i think that's really interesting because I, I quite like um so yeah when you know i do produce for other bands and when when i've had to use logic's drummer i will use that one i use bfd as well um 
But now I've got the ability of putting BFD essentially on that Logic drummer and taking advantage of all that kind of nuance that it can kick out and mm -hmm. uh, recording that. And I, am I right in thinking you can also extrapolate the MIDI data from it now as well, I think? But, um, I don't yeah, know. Just, yeah, possibly. I, it's funny. There. I mean, I used to. I used to spend my entire working day inside Logic, and I haven't used it for such a long time now. I mean, but th that's not the stuff I'm doing anymore, really. So, uh, it kind of makes sense. Okay. Well, uh, interesting. Um, it, it looks like it's well worth checking out, and I know. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the look of that, um, and I think I will probably. Uh, um, I don't know. I think I, I shy away because the, the big problem I have is because um, I'm I'm working with you know, laptops. <laughs> I don't want to fill my laptop's hard drive up with samples. Mm. I, I mean, if I was doing music on it the whole time, I probably would, but the lap, you know, it just feels like, um, well, that's, I, I, I think I'm, sample management is much better than it used to be, but I'm still kind of, I'm still scarred by when it wasn't. So I kind of, I, I, I've just, yeah. uh, I, I tend not to, I tend not to, uh, work in that world so much. Um, okay, well, let's have a look. What's the time? 10 to, uh, what do we want to do? Do we want to look at, uh, we've got three possible topics. Do we want to look at, uh, failing creative partnerships? That could be quite a, a rich tapestry of, uh, um, a rich seam of, of sounds. This is really, I, well, I'll do it. This is really interesting. This, this, this sort of came in. I'm trying to remember who, but I think Mark Tinley sent this in actually. Uh, all the best to Mark and Gina, by the way. Um, mm. I think, um, this was, yeah, if I press that button it will probably show me something creative partnerships yeah this is uh, it's like a tmz sort of you know gossip column type thing and this is they, they've got to the point now caller notes where they're effectively sort of pinging restraining orders on each other so they can't turn up at each other's concerts or who can sing certain songs. i mean it's awful i mean it, it sort of sounds funny but i mean these guys are uh, daryl hall and john oates are responsible for if you're of a certain age uh, and the charts meant something to you they were they were all over it you know and they wrote some absolute classics and some real whoops and uh, um, they wrote some absolute classics and it's kind of sad that you know it's got to this, but this this happens. We've seen it before. The the kind of stories of uh, of bands having to have separate tour buses for different members because they fall out. But creative partnerships are are weird in that way. I mean, it's often mostly not an emotional or certainly not a sort of sexual relationship, but it has that intent, the same intensity as you would have with you know a life partner or whatever, and yet. We so we end up with these awful situations, but and we, and I suppose the thing is, is you know that I've been in the same situation. People you work with, and you just think you can't do it anymore. And it's uh, I think the trick is probably recognizing when it's over and when you get out. But when you have a shared ownership of a massively worth worth you know a, a, back, a back catalog, it does make it all a bit more bitter. I mean, you know the new order. The, there's just so much of this stuff where there's 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 issues. I don't know, Matt. Have you ever been in a band and had a sort of terrible split and have to deal with it? I mean, fortunately, none of us are, are having to deal with. We didn't write any Christmas hits or anything, so it's not like we're having to split the royalties or anything. But it is emotionally quite distressing, isn't yeah. it? Even even it, after it is, all these yeah. years. I played in bands, and and um, I'm very fond of thinking back of those times where I was able to share making music with other people. There's something really beautiful about that. Um, but I must admit, I enjoy the fact that when I make my own music, it's completely me it's completely indulgent my ego grows and i just do whatever i want and everything that i say goes <laughs> basically including stereo bass so um so i'm all right for that. having said that i am um, i have been thinking about working with some people 
recently on some particular projects. But um, I think these things can happen. And, it, and it's sad to read this because I, <laughs> for the fact that I make, you know, really brutal distorted techno, I listen to a lot of 80s music and I listen to, uh, I'd listen to these guys. They're cool. I love their production. I love their minimal production and the drum machines they use. It's just kind of drum machine, vocals, and a bit of bass. And I'm like, they, they sound great. And um, you never know really what's going on on the inside. And and it, it's the same with like New Order and uh, Hooky and stuff like that. I mean, I'm a big Joy Division fan. And knowing that those guys are not really talking, you know, it kind of breaks my heart in a way. And it and it is upsetting. And I suppose when there's millions of pounds involved it, and you've got lawyers involved, there's a whole other level there that can just take off. And um, I, it, it does make me think, though, I mean, if for a minute you could take all that money away from Hall and & Oates and say, right, you, you've got the option of getting on with each other and just forgetting all this quab, quab, quarrelling, um, or you've got to go work in McDonald's for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'd sit down and go, you know what, yeah, there's a, they just need a reality check, I think, sometimes. A reality check of how um, privileged they are through their hard work. I'm not saying that these this comes easy, what they've been able to achieve, <coughs> but how privileged they are to, you know, to be able to stand there and have such a great track record and, and abundance of money um, and that lifestyle yeah. that goes with it. So, um, yeah, give them an ultimatum. Just figure it out, lads. You know, have a little fight if that's what's needed. You know, uh, have a penalty well, They're in their 70s now. It might be a bit unpleasant. Take, all right, a tickling <laughs> match then. Let's do that. So have, a, have a tickling match. and uh, get First one to way. let a little bit go, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe they just need to go down the pub and have a few pints, have a little fight, get a kebab and, uh, and sort it out. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, there is a there is a, a pedal. Steven says general who hasn't here played in a band, which I suppose is 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 a question. I'm sure Robbie, you must have done, and it is. Yeah. It can be very, you know, and it's not just in any creative form. There's a certain amount that you invest as an individual. There's a, mm. a level of trust, isn't there, that is quite similar to what you would give to an emotional partner, as well. You know, so you you yeah. you kind of it's quite hard to to disentangle. I think. Yeah, I, I was in a number of bands through the 80s and into the early 90s, and, and it just got to a point where um, when you're doing something really, really good and you're all having fun, it's fantastic, and you can't wait. And it is like it's very much like an emotional, romantic relationship. You know, those first few months of, you know, you just can't wait to be in the same room with each other and do this stuff because it makes you happy. And then as you get to know the individuals, you start to understand their their personal you know personality traits characteristics and and maybe some of those things that niggle you and sometimes you know you can get over that and other times you can't and of course there's always egos because you know most of us that joined the band do it because we love playing music but also we love playing music in front of people and and showing off essentially um and i got to a point with my last the last band i ever played in um they they did the the dirty on me and i just said no i'm not having this anymore and i wanted like matt matt, uh, matt said um just wanted to be 100 percent in control of what i was doing and i was quite happy to do that although saying that i do hanker after going 
back and playing with a bunch of people again that would be nice but with regards to Hall and Oates I mean it is a, it's a huge shame because what a partnership they've had over the years and now it's all petty they've got all the lawyers involved and you know they're both sat in their lovely houses whilst, whilst the lawyers make a whole bunch of money arguing about who's going to make money from the stuff that they worked on however many years ago and it's just it's, it's a real shame but then you look at other duos or other bands and they stand the test of time and and why is that is that because they are just so well suited or do they do the sensible thing and take time off from each other or you know allow themselves to grow individually as well as you know then come back a few years later you know there's there's a lot of successful acts that do that you know uh, so yeah it's it's a shame but i think a lot of this is probably down to lawyers so yeah, I mean, I think it's it is interesting. I think perhaps it all goes wrong when you're on tour with people because then you're living with them essentially, yeah, yeah. and it's mm. it, living with people in a pressured and quite often boring scenario where you're just sitting around doing nothing and some people drink some people don't drink some people like to tap the table incessantly some people you know whatever it may be and that can start really start to wind people up I think. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, yeah, so I've I've played in bands for years and years and years. And the interesting thing is because, um, as I mentioned on my video, because my development of developing certain social skills was so slow, I essentially just treated <laughs> other musicians as instruments not not being nasty or or not kind of appreciating them but being like okay you play this bit you play this bit you play this bit you play this bit and some people were fine with that in bands I was in some people really weren't <laughs> fine with yeah. that you know just playing what they, they were told to um but it kind of in my last band which is currently on hiatus while I work through this this breakdown that's like a half joke um <laughs> the um the it worked because they kind of understood that i'm a bit of a control freak and just kind of go with it and they'll chuck the occasional thing in here and there um and it, and it just worked it just worked that way but i can definitely see how the pressures of doing gigs you know all the time um, can um, tear people apart. And it's also... Oh, it's also all of the bad stuff of being famous, isn't it? People recognising you for the wrong reasons or people thinking, you know, oh, you're washed up has-beens or stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess. That, I, mean, um, I... I know that Daryl Hall's done his live show um daryl's bar for like years and years live at daryl's daryl's house yeah daryl's house daryl's house and it's amazing yeah. and he plays lots of the old hall and oat stuff with various people you know he'll get zz Toppin or um other kind of rock or pop singers and they'll do you know some of their back catalog and uh, all the musicians are top notch and it's really really cool um so i i I'll have to read into this because they both seem like really pretty chill guys, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's hard it's to really know. Sad. It is hard to know what. It is sad. I, it's interesting, I isn't guess it? I they've mean, I think just that... fallen out of touch. But um, yeah, 
Sorry. Well, I, th- <laughs> I was trying to, I was waiting for a Hall and Oates song title reference somewhere. <laughs> I couldn't think of any, and yeah. so I'm glad that somebody did it. I think it's what's interesting also is, you know, you've got to bear in mind that quite often, you know, a band situation that, that, that it shifts. So you might have the songwriter yes. or someone who instigates the songs, it might only be one person or it might be two people one of the person's songs are more successful than the others that's going to lead to a sort of weird inequity unless you can kind of work it out or you know when yeah. you're actually when you're actually on tour the power shifts you know it's yeah. like well i wrote all these songs and it says yeah but i'm the lead guitarist and i put on most of the show the pressure is on me visually or or to project the, to the- pressure's so on my leather shift- pants to be tight yes exactly <laughs> it, so there's so many things that shift around and i guess it's it's I like any partnership it's about I suppose it's about recognising it and being understanding, but often we're not prepared to, to kind of no. say, okay, you do this, and this is this is really really important. Mm. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe yeah. that's what people do, or yeah. maybe it's just understood. It's but it's it's hard. I mean, working with people is hard yeah. at the best of times, let alone in a creative situation. I suppose. You know what? Um, me pre-therapy and me post-therapy are completely different people, essentially, when it comes to this, and I think now that in a creative kind of partnership i'd be a lot more chilled and be like yeah that's cool rather than having to control every single aspect Mm. of it so i I think you know i'm gonna gonna you know try and do more collaborations and stuff like that i did that one with brian the um the golu boy track which was um which was on an old Russian synth called the Alita, which is on the Magical Synth oh, yeah. Adventure channel. And we don't hate one another yet, so there's a um, there's a positive uh, result. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I also want to say, guys, Robbie, Matt, um, I'm up for collabing anytime. <laughs> I'll chuck a bit of I'll chuck a bit of you know angsty vocals. On top Your of musical skills whatever. are a bit too terrifying, Paulie. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing. I'm a bit intimidated. I'm by very your approachable. I, I only, I, most of my songs are one note. You you can play like many with these fingers. I, I'm I just do this. So, but it's yeah, nice but to know. The, I enjoy the I enjoy tomba as well. I'm not just into harmony. That's the thing. Otherwise, I'd be on you know. A jazz nerd podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really enjoy people who can can create interesting timbres and things like that. And then, you know, if you just give me a root note, I'll do the weird chords on top, and it'll be fun. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Right. Well, I, I think. I'm uh, oh, sorry, Matt. Go. Sorry, I was just going to say. I do think. Just the finishing on the band thing. I do think. It, if you're in a band, it's got to be about the band, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's where you draw the line. All the egos have got to go to bed. It's got to be about. It's got to be about the music. It's got to be about the success of the band and the song. And that, and that's it. I think that's what it comes down to. I'm yet to watch all of Get Back, a Beatles documentary. I've saved it for mm, Christmas. Sure. That's my that's Christmas good. viewing. And sit down and eat my body weight in chocolate and gravy and watch that. Oh. And um, but what I have seen of it is I was really struck by how open they were when they're, when they're making music together and how uh, vulnerable they enabled themselves to be around each other but by putting ideas forward and having ideas pushed back and, um, yeah. and just to try things out and, and, uh, and be able to be vulnerable. And, when, and I think it's safe to say that a lot of us musicians and music producers and creatives 
we are a little bit we don't like to put ourselves in a vulnerable place to be honest we you know i think a lot of us shy away from too mm. much confrontation if we yeah. can avoid it yeah. so um well i think but I th yeah that's that's i think that's a very valid point i think also though i mean the art of any form or working in any creative environment even if you're just the engineer to the to the talent that's in the studio you need to be able to uh, understand the collaborative process and, and be prepared to chuck something in the ring and go, oh, what about this? If if asked, obviously you don't yeah. want to impose your will on it and not feel too disappointed when it doesn't happen. And that's that's one of the things, the skills that one learns as a musician is like, what about this? Yes. No, I'm not sure about that. And you go, okay, well, what about this then? You know, rather than going, oh no, I've been thinking about that as the only possible solution for my entire life. I and now really, I've been um, knocked back. It... I remembered one thing. Uh, Brian Eno said that sometimes, and I can only imagine the chaos this caused, sometimes the, uh, if a guitar take wasn't working, he'd let the person who wasn't the guitarist in the band do the take if the person was better at guitar randomly, uh, you know, or, or could play that part better for the recording. Mm. He'd let not the guitarist play that part and i'm like whoa that that's gonna cause some ripples isn't it if you can yeah you but he, make he i decisions. mean he is he is i mean for what i've heard about the, his approach to stuff he is quite a manipulative chap so it wouldn't surprise sure. me at all and then walk away <laughs> think well i've made the record whatever yeah. you know but there's always not a my problem if you can't tour it yeah there's always a role in the band for a mediator <laughs> And I think all the successful yes. ones have someone in their in their midst. And and the the one thing, Matt, you'll 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 see this when you watch Get Back, is that Ringo, apart from being one of the greatest drummers in the world, and I'll fight anyone that says he isn't, um, was the the mediator in the band. And he was the he didn't necessarily go in and sort of tactfully speak to certain people. He it was just his his presence and his demeanour and his personality, because he's a jovial chap. And he would diffuse situations and crack a little joke here or there. And you know, you think about the likes of Fletch from Depeche Mode. You know, we all know that Fletch isn't really not playing anything at all, but he was the glue that took the two, you know, very conflicting personalities of Dave and Martin that have been known to clash quite frequently. And he would be in the middle there saying, well, boys, just, just, just calm it down. And, and, and I think if every band has got somebody in there that, that can do mm. that, then they will probably last a little longer than most. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I mean, this whole subject, is, I think, is quite fascinating. We could probably dedicate an entire hour to it. Although yeah. I do have to knock things on the head because I do have to... Uh, I'm going to go and see uh, my local football team play uh, the big match of the year where they've actually sold all the tickets to the ground at yeah. Bath City, which has never happened. So it's 4,000 fans <laughs> going to watch uh, a sort of comedy pantomime no, they're actually quite good, to be fair. They're, so we'll see. So I'm quite excited, but I do have to go home and put on loads of warm layers because it's going to be miserably freezing outside. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think we'll probably wrap things up there. Thank you very much. Thanks to all the folks in the chat room and everything. And I haven't seen Wagyu in there. I hope he's okay. I know he wasn't here last week. Uh, so all the best to you, mate, if you're, uh, if you're uh, um, not well. Uh, but if you're on holiday, then also all the best. Hope you're having a nice time. But we'll um, let's go to our four up and we'll say goodbye to everybody. So, Matt, uh, thanks ever so much for joining us. Uh, I'm hoping we'll see you again soon. Are you, uh, have you got any YouTube action coming your way in the not-too-distant future, or is that something have, that you're... Uh... 
we've got a lot to catch up on actually um num number of modules that i've got here that i've that i've been playing around with for over a year that i just absolutely love and deserve a little video of me using them there's some distortion modules there's a sequencer there's uh the wave packets by ozora as well so it's going to be a lot of that once i'm once I've got things nailed down for, for next year, as I say, I'm working very much already in January with Stylophone and for NAMP and things like that. So once we've got all that put to bed and I can hibernate over Christmas a little bit, I'm, I'll be getting on that. So I'm hoping to do quite a lot of live streaming over Christmas. It's a real downtime yeah. period for me. So um, do, you know, go over to my channel, hit the like and subscribe and you'll get notified when I go live. I don't, I usually go live pretty randomly so um you'll yeah. get a notification in your emails when i go live so um but hopefully i'll see you all before christmas are we having a christmas special nick is anything happening are we not uh, about well we yet? will have a there is going to be a there are will be more than one um episode um before christmas but when i i i've i've i sort of it was so busy before Christmas, I th thought of having to organise a Christmas quiz. I'm not going to do it this year. Maybe yeah. we'll do it next year because it is quite a lot of work. But uh, we'll we'll get together yeah. and, you know, raise a glass and do all of that stuff virtually for sure. But, uh, yeah, it'd be lovely, um, lovely to do that. But nice to see you, Matt. Oh. Also, Robbie, uh, nice to me. see you too. I'm guessing you're, uh, you're working on podcast and, you know, stuff for, for is it Friday, your show? Yeah, Friday, 7 p.m., uh, Proceeds Network. I'm not on this week. Yay! Um, as many people say, but uh, no, I'm, I'm off to see The Darkness um, because it's my boy's oh. 18th, and we all we, we always go and see them at Christmas because um, they come, you know, they're, they're from around these parts. Um, so we go and see them. Um, but yeah, podcasts, uh, thankfully, I'm kind of done up until January time. So I'm just kind of taking a breather from that, but busy building lists of, of next year's potential guests. Um, and also just doing a lot of uh, prep work and writing. I've got to catch up with loads of gear news uh, stuff because this time of year, you need to have lots of content in the back end ready to kind of go out over the festive season so you can put your feet up. Uh, yeah. um, and of course the fledgling business, which I started a couple of months ago and just, you know, just to make sure the tax man doesn't get me. So I'm just kind of getting on top of that and building my new Mac. And that's, you know, just kind of looking at my old, cause I, I wanted to do a clean install rather than come up from a, a time machine. So I'm sort of like going from one, have I got that on there? No, install that. And yeah, all the sample libraries and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, busy, busy, right. busy. Nice. And uh, Paulie, I'm guessing um, yes. you'll have a, a kind of family Christmas and then maybe some work. I don't know if you're working over Christmas the whole time or whether you're going to chill, kick back, write some um, more music. In, yeah, in, in sort of mental health world, my data centre's open over the entire Christmas period, which is cool because it means people who don't have, you know, anyone around can can attend. But yeah, I'll probably be working on my sound mix more for arcade dreams you know getting that done because yep. i can just take my laptop and all the video files and stuff um obviously i've got the uh amiga art contest coming up and see if i'll win a prize for my new music video the vogue grenade one on my vogue grenade channel and then there was one other thing i was going to say so um i think on the 20th of December, I'm going to do a live stream of me and my friend uh, Nadi um, doing some Christmas carols, 
because we've got oh, to practice nice. them for playing them. We're going to like play loads of Christmas carols on like piano, and she's going to sing and stuff um, to the service users um, in like a Christmas party. So we'll live stream our rehearsal on the 20th. So it'll probably be sometime after Sonic Talk, you know, at five or six o'clock. All right. For an hour or Lovely. two. That sounds great. Um, nice one. So that would be that would be really nice. That's something to look forward to, you know. And uh, yeah, other than that, it's just it's onwards and upwards, isn't it? It's uh, raising Absolutely. a child and you know trying to get some sleep all of that stuff <laughs> all of that stuff well lovely to see you all i should point out i've, I've just recorded the uh one of the pieces for uh, with con rasso who is the head of tuned global who kind of uh come, was behind a lot of the back-end streaming infrastructure for various kind of music streaming services that's quite an interesting interview that's going to be going out between christmas and new year and i've got another one with uh jessica powell of audio shake who uh i'm deep into ai and audio process just going to sort of discuss the tech and the, the, the you know where it's going and stuff so that'll be another one those little two that will be out in between Christmas and New Year but other than that Sonic offices will be closed although I'm going a bit early with this because we've got another couple of shows before then <laughs> but that's it for this time anyway thank you very much everybody for watching we will see you at um, at, at the next show take care everybody bye, bye.